Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Father, I ask that you bring a tremendous blessing on all your people, on all those who have a vision to change the world, to tikkun olam, to repair a broken world, that are in this room and all of our friends and our families. God bless all of our stream family and all of our television partners. God, let them, let them realize how important they are to what God is doing. And Father, for them saying yes, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, who is our Messiah. And everybody that believes you're going to have the best year so far, give the Lord a great big clap offering and thank him. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Makes me feel good. I'm very proud of you. Very, very proud of you. I want to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Revelations. And we're going to turn to Revelations chapter 2. A little over a month ago, uh, we started doing the teaching on the seven churches of Revelation. And then we got sidetracked for about a month with all the Christmas and, and music and plays and, and everything that, that went along with it. But just to kind of catch us up, the reason why, um, and I don't think I've ever taught the book of Revelations before. And, and if I can be real honest with you, number one, I don't, I've never seen any teachings that made sense to me, but also I didn't think it was relevant to us. You know, the book of Revelations is someday. And the reason why I feel the Lord told me to start teaching on the seven churches, and I think I'm going to do a series on the seals. I think I'm going to do a, 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 I think God really showed me something on the seals. But the book of Revelation is no longer someday. The book of Revelation is today. You know, we talk about where Jesus said, was it in Matthew? He said, look for the birth pangs. Ladies, why do you have birth pangs? Because something is about to happen. And in God's love, he wants to make sure you're ready. Get to the hospital, get gas in the car, get your bag bag packed. Something is about to be birthed. Um, Now, I know the Bible says the wicked servant says the master delays his coming. I believe, I believe that the rapture could take place before this service is over. But I really believe he's going to give us a little bit of time. Now, don't don't write me emails and say, you're the wicked servant, because I never read those. But I think something really exciting is going to happen because the Bible promises us we're going out a glorious bride without spot, without wrinkle, And I think a great, great move of God, spiritually and economically, is about to happen. But the things we're seeing every week keep escalating. I want you to pull up um, 
Revelations 18, 17. We showed this a few weeks ago. Revelations 18, 17 with the ships. Can you put the ships up? Okay. Can you show the pictures and the scriptures at the same time, guys? Okay. For in one hour, so great riches is come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company in ships and sailors, as many as trade by sea, stood afar off. Okay, take that away. We know that there's a problem with getting supplies and getting things in the stores, and this has never happened before. It's not that there's a lack of them, but these ships exactly the way Revelation says, are sitting aside. The guy who, Truett and Molina, who produce our television program, live in Los Angeles, and they said you could drive all along the coast and you'll see thousands of ships out there sitting there, not able to get in. Amazing. All right, show um, Revelations 13, verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Show the uh, statue that's just erected at the UN. Now, in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? This is Satan being blatantly in your face. All right, go with me to Revelations 13, 16. And he caused all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads. Go on. Okay. A glitch. And this is what we know as the mark of the beast that you cannot buy or sell unless you take that mark. Now, when this all started up with COVID and the COVID passport and everything that's involved with that, and they shut down our restaurants and they shut down our businesses and everybody stayed home. And then they started talking about, well, if you if you don't have the vaccine, then you can't go into Kroger. You can't go to work. And I think to all of us, it was quite obvious this is a birth pang. But let me show you what came up last week. Pull up that article from Sweden. It says, Sweden develops an under-the-skin chip that reveals vaccination status. Epic Center has designed chips that can be implanted in the arm and can be scanned to check COVID-19 vaccination status. Show the picture. And here the guy is scanning the back of her hand. And the article, if we, we won't take time to read it, says, and we can control much more information in this chip that has been now now passed for people in Sweden to have. It can unlock your doors. It can show your bank account. It can do all kinds of things. Now, let me show you one other thing. I was watching the football game the other day, 
And this article came on. Now, what you're about to see is Ronald Reagan's son speaking. Now, he's denounced, Ronald Reagan's son has denounced his family, his mom and his dad. The guy's just a devil. But I want you to look at what, now, let me, let me tell you this, that the major networks won't allow us to put on commercials that are anti-abortion. They won't allow us to put on commercials that are controversial, that are biblical truths. We can't do this. But look at this commercial that they allowed on television. Hi, I'm Ron Reagan, an unabashed atheist, and I'm alarmed, as you may be, by the intrusions of religion into our secular government. That's why I'm asking you to join the Freedom From Religion Foundation, the nation's largest and most effective association of atheists and agnostics working to keep state and church separate, just like our founders intended. Please join the Freedom From Religion Foundation today. Ron Reagan, lifelong atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. Now, when I got saved, which wasn't all that many years ago, you would never see something like this on television. But what's happened, folks, is the church has lost its spine. But God is looking for someone, a remnant, who will stand in the gap and be what God wants us to be. Can I have an amen? Now... Every week, this changes. And so when I started this, what, a month or a month and a week ago or whatever, look how much things have changed in that short period of time. So I want to keep going with the seven uh, churches of Revelation. Because the seven churches of Revelation is God saying for the last days. Now, these churches existed not long after the time of Christ. But remember, there is a early reign and there is a latter reign. And this revelation that God is giving is both a warning and encouragement, not just to the first church, but to the last church. Now, one of the reasons why I didn't like to deal with the book of Revelation is because most messages, teachings that we hear on the book of Revelation is doom and gloom. But as I begin to study this, I realize the book of Revelation is not a, 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 a prophecy of doom and gloom. It's a prophecy of great victory to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Let me say that again. It's not a prophecy of doom and gloom. Yeah, bad things are going to happen. This is a setup for this. This whole thing. Man, the world changed overnight. The whole world changed overnight. Governments were, our government trying to taste to see how much they can push us. You could meet during COVID, you could meet in Vegas and roll the dice, but you couldn't meet in church and sing and worship God. This is a test. So when we look at the, Revel- the book of Revelation, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But it is a wake-up call to the church because we're not going out bruised, busted, and disgusted. 
We're going out the head and not the tail. We're going out the lender, not the borrower. We're going out above, not beneath. We're going out more than conquerors. Can I have an amen? All right, so let me do, and forgive me because I'm going to run through this very, very quickly, but because it's been about a month since we've been on it, let me do just a, a real quick rehearsal of the first part of the book of Revelations. This is written by the Apostle John. He's the only apostle that's left alive, and he's on the island of Patmos. John is about 90 years old. He was uh, the head of the church of Ephesus, which we'll get into in a minute. And as John is imprisoned, things could not look any worse, and John has a vision of the Lord. Now, we won't take time to look at all that vision because of time, but if you look at the vision that of, of, of the Lord, the Bible says that John looks up and sees the Lord, not realizing who it is. Now, this is the same John who rested his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. This is John the Beloved. This is John who walked with Jesus for three and a half years. But when we picture a picture of Jesus, we picture Jesus with blonde hair and blue eyes and the long white robe. And you know that Jesus was a Sephardic Jew, so he didn't have blonde hair. He didn't have blue eyes. He would have been dark skin, dark hair, and never wore a Roman robe. He wore a Jewish prayer shawl. But the picture that we picture of Jesus, and this is good, is a picture of Jesus the shepherd. But the picture that John sees, when John sees the Lord, this is the John that was with him, like I said, for three and a half years. John sees him and he falls over like a dead man. And I love it. Jesus said, John, it's me. Well, he ain't looking the same. He's got eyes of fire. He's got a sharp two-edged sword in his mouth. This is not the shepherd. Now, he is still the shepherd, and, and I've, I've shared this with you. This is why in Hebrew, when you pray, like you, 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 um, uh, when you do any prayer in Hebrew, it always says God's name in two ways. He is the Lord who is the shepherd, but he is also the Lord who is the king. He is the Lord who came riding in on a donkey, but he is right now the Lord who's getting ready to ride in on a white horse, kick tail and take names. Amen? You got to understand something. His mercy is fresh every morning, but oh, you don't want him to be angry with you. Amen? So John sees this Jesus, and I love it. The Bible says he falls down like a dead man, and the Lord says, John, it's me. But not only does he see the physical features, he sees what the Lord is wearing. And let me just bring this out real quick. The, the, the Bible says that the, the robe of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, if you've been to Israel and you look at the Temple Mount and you look at it, it's, it's massive. But when the Lord rules and reigns from Jerusalem once again, it's 10 times that size. It is huge, astronomically big. 
And the Bible says something that if we just read it in English, we miss. It says his, his robe, his garment filled the tabernacle. Remember when David was hiding in the woods in, in Getty? And as he was hiding, Saul was seeking to kill him. And Saul goes in the cave. I've been there. I've, I've taught right there on that rock. And Saul goes in there and David is hiding and David takes his knife out and he cuts off part of the hem of Saul's robe. Saul goes back down the trail and David comes up on the rock and he waves part of Saul's robe and he said, Saul, why do you seek me? I could have killed you, but I didn't. Well, that's very symbolic. When a king would conquer any enemy, the king's robe, especially the border of the robe, would be gold and silver and diamonds and rubies. And so when one king conquered another king, they would cut that hem off of the conquered king's robe and sew it on to the conquering king. So when the Bible says that the Lord's robe filled the tabernacle, what God is in Hebrew, that means that every enemy, say every enemy, every enemy, every enemy, every enemy that comes against the kingdom of God will be defeated and God will sew it to his robe to show that you and I are more than conquerors. Somebody give the Lord an amen. The Bible says to John, the Lord says to John, John, what you're about to see, write down in a book. What God is saying is, don't don't just try to remember this. Because this is so important. I want every detail that I show you written down exactly the way you see it. Write these down in a book. And then he says, send this to the seven angels of the seven churches. Now, very quickly, I, I, I've got to move quickly. Very quickly, the menorah in the tabernacle is seven candlesticks. The seven lights of God, the seven candlesticks of menorah, represent, number one, the anointing of God. Number two, the presence of God. And remembering that we as Christians are the light of the world. So he says, send this to the seven angels, which are literally, are the seven messengers, which are literally, send this to the seven pastors of the churches of Asia. Now, it's, I want you to understand, even though this was written and spoken for the pastors, it's not just for the pastors, but it's for the entire church. But the reason this is, is remember that judgment starts in the house of God. This is why the Lord said, be not many teachers, pastors, rabbis. For if you teach something that is not right, and you're going to see something that is amazing in this, especially if you teach something wrong or don't teach something because there is economical gain in it for you. So judgment starts in the house of God. Now, I want you to think about this because we're going to reveal something. The rapture is not the judgment on the world. The rapture is the judgment on us. 
if we don't miss the rapture, if we, if we, if we miss the rapture, we don't make the rapture, it's going to be, guys, it's going to be horrible. From the rapture to the second coming, there are, we know there are seven years, but there's two on this end and two on this end. You're going to see that God is giving a very plain explanation because he does not want any of us to miss the rapture. Once the rapture takes place, it's in a twinkling of an eye, in a millimeter of a second. We're here and then we're gone. It's not like, oh, God, forgive me. I'm going to get right. It's too late. So God writes these things to the pastors to make sure they're teaching the right thing so nobody misses the second coming. Amen? So remembering that you and I are the light of the world. We need to let our light shine while we're in this world. And the darker the world gets, the more important it is that we let that light shine. All right, now let me go real quick. The first church is the church of Ephesus. And I'm just going to say this real quick. He says, I know your works. Now remember the Lord, when when John saw the Lord, he had eyes of fire. Remember we explained that that means he sees everything. He sees where we are. He sees behind the walls. He sees in other countries. He sees everything. And so the very first thing, when God is speaking to the churches, he says, I know your work. One of the things that we always taught our kids when they were young and dating is remember when you're on a date, Jesus is there with you. And he's writing it down. And he tells me. The thing that we need to remember is, is everything we do, he sees it. I didn't get a whole lot of amens on the Baptist side. I'm going, y'all did good. Everything we do, good or bad, he sees it and records it. Amen? I know your work. Now, let me go real quick. And forgive me for... You can get the whole teaching on each church uh, from our website. And then he says, I want you to return to your first love. Now, here's an interesting thing. And I thought, when I studied this, I thought, gosh, that's it. That's us today. He goes through and he said, you're doing this and you're doing that. 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 And he said, that's all good. But then he says, I got one thing against you. Return to your first love. And so I researched and researched and researched and said, and nobody could give me an answer. They're doing everything right. But he said, I got this against you. Return to your first love. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, they become professional Christians. We can do what's right. We can come into the church and lift our hands. What a mighty God we serve. That's right. But there's no heart in it. We can go to church and be an usher and be a greeter and do all those things. But why are we doing it? We love him because he first loved us. So this is one part of returning to your first love. 
But another thing that is very, very prophetic is the first love. The Bible says that it was a time that Jesus looked and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered thee as a hen does gather her chicks, but you would not. And he wept. And so returning to the first love is obviously loving the Lord with all of our heart. Not just, you know, you, you know, you know I, 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 I sometimes go to teach in church conference and pray for me. I'm, I'm going down to a huge conference in Brazil next month. And so uh, it's very pro-Israel, love Israel. But a lot of times you go to conferences and then you sit in pastor's meetings and stuff. And you know what they say? For, the, for 60% of your church nowadays to hear an announcement, you have to announce it eight weeks. My Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, even if it's COVID. We got to make sure that we haven't started using COVID. And I understand we got to be careful now. I understand that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I made Tis stay home. But we, we, we need to make sure that we don't allow the devil to use this as a way to make us lukewarm. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to be in church. But the other thing is the first love is the way the first church loved the land of Israel. And Jesus loved Israel. The very first, the avos, the avolt of all blessings is, I will bless those that bless Israel. And so the first church of Ephesus had fallen into being professional Christians. Then we go to the second church, and that's the church of Smyrna. And this is called uh, the suffering church. And we talked about what's the main source of income for Smyrna. Does anybody remember? Myrrh. When they came to worship Jesus, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we went on and on about it. But the church of Smyrna, the, 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 the city of Smyrna, was a very, very prosperous place because of myrrh. But it was also very prosperous because Smyrna was the center of Caesar worship, Rome worship, and they gave them great favor. So we have this church of Smyrna, which um, the Pope and the Roman government writes to. And if you, if you remember when I taught on Smyrna, I read the letter, that uh, historical document. And they're saying, we need you to flow with what Rome is saying, with what Caesar is saying. And here's the amazing thing. They said... We want you to, in your church service, light incense to worship Caesar. Bow down to the government. And then they said, and this is the main part, they said, we want you to give up the Jewish roots of the faith and start worshiping the way Rome says the worship. Does anybody remember what the first thing they said to do? Quit celebrating Passover and start celebrating Easter. Now, this was a major thing because you go all the way back to the Roman Emperor Constantine in the Council of Nicaea, 325 years after the resurrection of Jesus, and he said, how do we get... 
the church world to quit worshiping towards Jerusalem and turn their worship towards Rome. And they said, we've got an idea. Let's change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. Let's change Passover to Easter. And let's blame the Jews for killing Jesus. And so what we're talking about is here we are and the world. You know, what we're teaching, guys, on the Jewish roots is the fastest growing movement in Christianity around the world. America is almost the last ones to be catching it. But what we're realizing is, is that our Lord and Savior was born a Jew, lived a Jew, taught a Jew, worshiped as a Jew, grew up as a Jew, was a rabbi as a Jew, died as a Jew, and was resurrected again as a Jew. He never stopped being Jewish. And we need to remember what the Apostle Paul said, don't get puffed up. You're not the root, you're the wild branch. And we, thank God, have been grafted in to the nation of Israel. Can I have an amen? And so they killed the pastor of Smyrna. They killed him. They burned him alive. And then they write to the head of all the churches, and he writes a letter back. And he said, we will not stop worshiping God the way the Bible says and the way our Lord and Savior did. We will continue with the Jewish roots. Now, here's one more thing, and then we're going to get to the last church. And forgive me for going so quickly. Is we need to remember that Rome hated Israel. They hated Israel. They wanted the attention turned from from Israel to Rome. They came up with all these doctrines, and because of this, Smyrna was known as, like I said, the suffering church. As a matter of fact, remember we studied the word poverty that's used there? These people were not able to eat. They weren't able to feed their children. They went through horrible persecution. They were killed because they would not stop worshiping the Lord the way the Bible says. But here's an, uh, I love this. The Lord says, hang on, keep doing it. He says, I know what you're going through. Now, when we read that, it's like, oh, we know, oh, yeah, we heard what's happening to the Jews in Ethiopia. We, we, we know that. But that's not what the Lord is saying. He's not saying, I have knowledge of this. When the Lord says, I know, in Hebrew, he says, ani yada. Ani yada, I know. What he's saying is, I've been there. I have felt what you feel. I have pain the way you have pain. But it's an interesting concept in Hebrew when he says, ani yada. It's not just, I've been there. It's because we've both been there, we have a covenant together. And let me tell you something. When we have a covenant with God, it's not like having a covenant with a man or a woman or somebody who can break that covenant. When God makes a covenant with us, he never breaks it. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he says, you are going to become more than a conqueror. So it doesn't matter what you're going through right now. And then he says something, and I just got to get this in real quick. He said, your suffering will only last 10 days. Remember, we talked about that and said... When I showed Tiz this, she said, it's like the Bible's written in a code. 
You cannot understand the Bible unless you read it through the eyes of a Jewish Jesus and a Jewish Paul. What's the 10 days? I looked and researched nothing, nothing on the website said what the 10 days is. And the Lord said, think, think. And I went from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, from the beginning of suffering to the end of all suffering. He said, when this thing ends, you're not going home with a moan. You're going out with a shout. It's going to be a short time from resurrection to the second coming. Look out, devil. Here comes the army of God, and we are mightily equipped. And greater is he that's in us than anything that can come against us. How many say amen? All right, so I have 15 minutes. Let me close with this. And forgive me once again for going through this so, so quickly. Read with me in Revelations chapter 2, and I'm only going to do a little part of this. Verse 12. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. A sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you, and you hold fast to my name and do not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have... I've written in my Bible so much I can't read it. Because you have there, is that right? There those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel and to eat things sacrificed to idols and commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those, what's the next word? What is it? To hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, and these things I hate. Let me stop right there for the sake of time. We're going to get into most of this. Let me let me just throw a, a, a tease for next week. I've been there. I've been there where I, I've been right on that spot in Turkey, where he says the seat of Satan. The seat of Satan. Now, I'm not going to talk about it today, but does anybody, the, the seat of Satan was this massive altar to Zeus. But there's a lot of altars to false gods. And yet God calls it the seat of Satan. Does anybody know where that altar is today? Germany, Berlin, Germany. Adolf Hitler had a du- replica made and took that altar, and that's the very place that he started Nazi Germany. So this has great spiritual implications to it, and we're going to get into that next week. But here he says, read verse uh, 12 again. And to the angel angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. Now, this is one of the reasons why it's so important that we study this in the original language. When God says here, I am the one who has a sharp two-edged sword. The first definition in ancient Jewish wisdom says, I am the one who uplifts, 
I am the one who empowers. I am the one who inspires. I am the one who delivers. And I am also the one who defeats my enemies. Let me say this again. Remember what we said when you pray? There's always two, every time you pray in Hebrew, there's two names of God. Yes, he is the shepherd, but he is also right now the one with the eyes of fire and the sharp two-edged sword. He said, I am the one who will lift you up. I am the one who will, who will encourage you. I will the one who will inspire you. I'm the one who will heal you. I'm the one who will bless you. Don't become my enemy. Okay, the Presbyterians didn't do too good on that one. Isaiah 55, 11 says, My word comes forth from my mouth two-edged. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. Now, let me read that again. My mouth. In Hebrew, the English translation says, in my mouth. But if you go to the Hebrew... It says, my two mouths. I have two mouths. I place before you blessings. You can say it, it's okay. God is a God who forgives. He's a savior. He's the Messiah. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. But folks, pretty soon he's the coming king. He has two mouths. But listen to this. He says, my sword that's in my mouth has two edges. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, now listen, to we've all read this, but listen, listen. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is discerning of the thoughts and intents of our heart. Every, you've heard me teach this. Every single thing God shows us has how many sides to it? What are they? Spiritual and physical. Heavenly and earthly. Now listen to what Paul said. See, this is why we, we've got to understand is, is that when Paul says this, he's a Jew. And he's saying things that Jews understand, but in the last days, God will open up our eyes. Listen to it again. Listen to it again. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. If you have a two-edged sword, it cuts going that way and it cuts coming this way. Right? Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder. Soul and spirit, that's the spiritual. Joints and marrow, that's the physical. And he discerns our thoughts and intents of our heart. In Hebrew, ancient Jewish wisdom says this has two meanings. And I won't take time to read the whole teaching on this. But in Hebrew, there is a word of journey, sojourn, this life. And there's a word fear, which is the same word as journey. And ancient Jewish wisdom says, when you're on this journey, if you're walking with God, you have no fear. Because his rod and his staff and his power and his might 
will defeat every enemy that comes against us. When David and Jonathan were brothers, they put a mark on the palm of their hand. And wherever they went, when they saw somebody, you ever, you ever, you ever see the, 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 the old cowboy movies and Indian movies and they go, how? Okay, well, that's an old symbol of showing that I have no weapon in my hand. That's where handshaking came from. I, I have nothing in my hand to harm you. But they would put a mark. It's a, a, it's a, a very Eastern Jewish thing. They put a mark. And if they saw somebody coming and they didn't know who it was, they go, hey. And when the person saw the mark on their hand, that was a sign that it may look like I'm alone, but I have many behind me. When we lift up our hands, we picture the mark that Jesus has in the palm of his hand. And we are saying to Satan, Satan, it may look like I'm at home all by myself, but he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And there's an army of angels that are standing behind me. Amen. So when we're on this journey of life, we're to have no fear. Now watch this. I'm closing with this. He says, it says in ancient Jewish wisdom, it says that with the sharp two-edged sword, I'm skipping through a bunch of it. He said, I will destroy, remember heaven and earth. He said, I will destroy your enemies from above and I will destroy your enemies from below. Spiritual and earthly. No matter what enemy comes against the children of God, Satan are Satan soldiers. God says, fear not. Fear not on this journey. It may look like things are out of control, but I have a sword that has two edges to it, and I will destroy the enemy from above. And I'm going to tell you something, the enemy here on earth. And this is why the warning is, you don't want to be an enemy of God. You don't want to be an enemy of God. You don't want to be those who are trying to bring about the mark of the beast or one world government or one world economy or try to release on the world a pandemic so you can control them. You don't want to be the enemy of God. And these words are written so you and I can have eyes to see and ears to hear. Can I have an amen? Would you stand with me all over the building? Next week, we're going to talk about the throne of Satan. The throne of Satan. Next week, we're going to talk about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Nick was one of the apostles. Remember when the apostles met and they said, we don't have time to be waiting on tables and serving food. Let's find us men full of the Holy Spirit. One of those was Nick. Nick got saved and Nick was serving God, but Nick turned the other way. The doctrine of Balaam. The doctrine of Balaam. And God said, I hate it too. These are things you're going to see next week that are all over the world right now. But for us who has eyes to see and ears to hear, God says to all of us, all of us around the world, God says, fear not. Because greater is he that's in us, church, than anything that can come against us. Now, let me give you something before we pray. 
we know that he has a two-edged sword. We know that his word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And we know that every one of us has that same word in our mouth. Now, I didn't have time to get into all this. But this is why the Bible says, put a guard on your mouth. There is life. Now, listen to what God says. In your tongue, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, there's life and there's death. You know, Tiz and I are finishing up this new book for Charisma. And we were, I was with the guys and we were talking. I said, one of the most powerful things you can understand is calling those things which are not as though they were. Every, look at me. Every time you speak, you create. Say this. Every time, Every time I, speak, I speak, I create, I create my, destiny. my destiny. So if you talk about the curses, you're creating those. You ever, be around, you ever been around somebody that, I, I mean, it can be bright, sunny day, and you go, oh, it's so hot. And you finally get rain. Oh, I'm tired of this rain. Can I give you a hint about those people? Avoid them. When they're coming, start calling it leprosy. But don't be that person. Every time you speak, You're made in the image of God. God is a spirit and God said, let there be light. What was there? God said, let there be mountains. What were there? This is one of the most powerful things I can teach you. And here he's saying it to the church. And and, and this will tie in with the seed of Satan and everything next week. When you speak, you create. Amen. I don't think I'm going to make it. As truly as I live, that which you have spoken in my ear, so will I do to you. You know what, honey? We may have lost our job, but God's got a better job. As truly as I live, that which you've spoken in my ear. Look at him. Look at him. He's on drugs again. He's going to end up dying on drugs. As truly as I live. Look at, you know what, honey? If God can save Pastor Larry, God can save our son. As truly as I live. I was telling the guys how important this is that here he says, here's my tongue. It's two-edged. It brings blessings, but it brings curses. It destroys the enemy. It builds up. When they told Tiz, they said, well, I think three months. We can give you three months. You've got to counter those. You've You've got to cast. You don't... Oh, I'm going to take this devil's words and just... You know what most people do? They don't cast it down. They bring it home. They bottle feed it. They share it with others. That's what most people do. I can remember Tiz and I sitting in the living room and her hair's falling out in chunks and, the, you know, three months. And, and I said, you know, honey, I said, uh, when this is all over, we need to... I've always wanted to get a 69 Mach 1 or a 69 Camaro. And I said, we need to get one. We need to get one. 
and go to California. You know, we've never, I know what it was. We were watching something and they were showing, what's the highway in California? What, highway one? 101. And I said, let's get, let's do it. Now the doctor said, and her hair's falling, big chunks of hair falling out. Eyes are full of tears. And I said, you know what? When this is all over, let's get a Camaro. Let's get a Mach 1. Let's go to California and drive the coast. I said, let's go to Portland. I don't want to go to Portland. I'll stop on the Carolina. Drive back. I said, let's do this. See, what I was doing is I was calling those things which are not as though they were. That was three years ago. We got one month left. We got one month left. You are more than a conqueror. Say it. I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me than anything this world can do. I'm not going under. I'm going over. I am the head and not the tail. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you receive that, give him a great big clap offering. It is crazy out there. I understand that. It's crazy out there. But I'm telling you something. Greater is he that's in you. I live this way. I know what's going on out there. I understand it. But I'm in this world. I'm not from this world. Do you understand? We're supernatural children of God. Everything the devil has stolen from you in the last two years or in the last 20 years, it's all coming back because we're going out the lender, not the borrower. Do you receive that? Oh, Pastor, I don't know how it'll happen. I don't know how God could reach 2,000 years after he rose again, a drug addict, seven federal warrants out for his arrest, get him all the way to Flagstaff, Arizona, have a little Mexican guy by the name of Bill Trujillo walk up to me smoking a joint. How many know what a joint is? Shame on all of you. Walk up to me and say, I've never done this before. The guy was five days old in the Lord. He'd been a drug addict. Somebody, paint sniffer, spray, spray paint, paint in a rag, and sniff to get high. Some guys on the street grabbed him, pulled him in a van, and led him to Jesus. And now five days later, this guy who could barely talk is talking to a guy who could barely talk. I'd done drugs for so many years, my brain was gone. But all I know is he said, I couldn't leave until I told you Jesus is who you're looking for. Folks, someday I'm going to make heaven my home. But because of meeting Christ, I am more than a conqueror, and so are you. Satan is defeated because our Lord didn't just die, he rose again. Come on, somebody give him praise. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, just for one moment. You hear and you say, Pastor Larry, you know what? I'm not right with God. Maybe you've never been saved, or maybe you have been saved the one time, but you become lukewarm. I'm not talking about joining a religion. I'm talking about joining the kingdom of God. I'm talking about joining the winning side. And boy, if you ever wanted to join the winning side, now is the time. There's a line being drawn in the spiritual sand, folks. 
Those who make the right choice, I'm going to prophesy over you. The next five to seven years is going to be absolutely amazing. And those who don't make the right choice are going to miss the boat. As we're here today and you say, Pastor Larry, I need to get my life right with God, rededicate my life, ask the Lord into my life, whatever it is, I want you to lift your hand up all over the building and just hold it there. I'm not going to bring you down, but I'm going to acknowledge you because every one of you is equally important in the eyes of our Lord and Savior. I see that hand, that hand, that hand. Keep them up. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. I see that hand, that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. I see that hand. Young man, God bless you. That hand, 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 that hand. God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Wave it at me if you're just putting that hand. God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you give these wonderful people a great big clap offering you know i i barely i very seldom say this sometimes we have up to fifty thousand people that are watching us on stream or stream with us and i want you to know something i i i i never say this but i feel very strongly that there is miracle salvation coming to many of you right now that you 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 weren't here to raise your hand in in the building but you're raising your hand in the kingdom of god and god sees that hand amen let's bow our hearts before the lord and let's pray together say this out loud say father i come to you right now in the name of jesus i know i've sinned we've all sinned but i know this you love me so much you sent jesus christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. All right, now say this with authority. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my home. Get out of my mind. Get out of my body. Get out of my family, my finances, and my future. I declare... In the name that is above any name, I am more than a conqueror. Look out, devil. Here we come. If you believe this is going to be a great year, give the Lord a clap offering. Let me say a prayer over you. Let me say a prayer over you. You know, one of the things... What Satan's meant for evil, God will use it for good. I don't wish what our family went through the last three years with Lion and Tiz. I don't wish that anyone to go through that. But when you've gone through the valley of shadow of death, and that could be physical death, it could be financial death, it could be family, it's anyway. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ comes to give us life and life more abundant. I can say to anyone, Anyone facing anything, not just because I read it, and that's enough, but because you and I have seen it, and you need to take this wherever you go. God gave Lion a gene no one in history in the world has ever had. God took a gene they were convinced his had that broke that generational curse. We can say to anyone we meet, God can do something for you that no one has ever 
heard of before. Look at me. Do you understand how powerful that is? Because you're part of our family. You, you're all part of our family. And, and in ancient Hebrew, when you see or hear it in somebody else's life, what does that mean? You're next. So we can say somebody can come up to you or in your need. And, 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 and the doctors or the bankers or the lawyers or whoever says this is impossible. Thank God we serve a God who does the impossible. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And so I want you to understand in these, I don't know how long we have. I don't know how long before the rapture. We'll, we'll see it in our lives. I think the rapture is much, much closer than we can imagine. But folks, we got job to do. We got work to do. And God is going to bring an anointing spiritually and financially. Everything God does spiritually, he backs it financially. When Israel was leaving Egypt, they went out with all the silver and the gold. And so will we. Your best is yet to come. Do you receive that? Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I release an anointing on all of us in this room and all of our family across the world that our best is yet to come. That 2022 will be our best year so far because we're going to see you release an anointing that will gain power upon power upon power. Father, raise up ministries, raise up apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers, raise up gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, raise up businessmen and businesswomen that will finance the kingdom of God. And Father, let there be such an outpouring, as you said in Malachi, that all the world will say, why are you so blessed? And we can say, because we love the Lord with all of our heart. And we stand with the nation of Israel. I release, if you receive this, lift your hands up. I release an anointing of faith as never before in Jesus' name. Do you receive that? Give the Lord a clap offering one more time.